Hello and welcome to the What the What podcast. I am your host, Eric Creech, and joining me today, now that he has displayed compulsive behavior there and self-destructive tendencies, this is not good at all, Kyle Whitley. We're here, folks. We are here. Yep. Once again, don't back be, in... Don't be stealing my quotes from later. You're already borderline stealing one there. So. I'm not. I'm, this is my life. <laughs> I'm not quoting a thing. Uh, we're back. In the spare room of Ricky Lyle's house. We are living studios. in a world where 53-year-old Goldberg is the universal champion. That's true. Salty Blood Money 4 you know, happened today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I saw Bailey's still the champion. Bailey's still the champion, mm-hmm. so that's something, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Roman Reigns is, you know, still beating up on Baron Corbin because that's something that needs to happen. Apparently, yes, Baron Corbin needs the, to you know, always be beaten up you, on. You know, their feud is like a flat circle. I mean, it just keeps going. On it, so till Baron Corbin's gone. Uh, uh, yeah, it's awful. Um, so but we're not here for a wrestling. No, we podcast. are not. Thank goodness, because I would not be very uh, excited about that. Um, we are in studio today. We're recording one episode tonight. We've got a great special um, thing special for guest? us. No, not not guest. No, a, a special uh, episode uh, lined up for you next week. We'll get that to and that the at the very week. end and the following week too. Um, but today we are talking about Iron Man two. This is the um, Third entry in our Running the Infinity Gauntlet series. Yep. Um, Taking a slightly slower stroll through And, the and as, as you'll see, we both have mugs today. And so. what happens to be on your mug over there? This is Iron Man. The Invincible Iron Man. Just turn around let him get a good look. We stole things from Ricky's house. Ricky actually happens to be a big Iron Man fan. He's a huge Iron Man fan. So we stole this mug. And if he was home, we'd probably bring him in here and say, hey, where's your Iron Man shirt? And then uh, stole he, this. He won this. At my house. Yeah? Um, well, kind of. Eric has random contests. Yes, I do. <laughs> it's like the random door prize. Oh, you're the 12th person to visit my house in the past year. Um, no, we had yes. um, we had the first uh, Royal Rumble party at my house. Mm-hmm. And I believe him and Erica tied. So, or maybe it was like the WrestleMania. Or I know they tied somewhere. They tied somewhere and in one of the, the random contests. Contest. So I gave Erica the Alexa Bliss one. Is that yep, right? That's right. And I, I figured Ricky was just, he wasn't a huge wrestling guy. Mm-hmm. But I know he's a huge, he's Iron, a huge Man Iron Man guy. guy. So he gets the Iron Man thing. And if you're listening to this on um, on one of our wonderful streaming platforms uh, for podcasts, you can't see any of this. We we're have, on, but there's a YouTube channel. But there's a YouTube channel. So we'll get to that. But we're uh, showing off the Pop uh, Funko uh, figure that. Uh, this Ricky is number has. 285. Yep, it's still in the box. I don't think it's ever been taken out. Me, I, the, I, I rip them out of the box immediately because I, I want to play with them. See, I leave a lot of my stuff in. Now that I'm older, there's certain ones that I take out. Like, I don't have a ton of pops. I'll take all my pops out, like the ones I do have. But, like, uh, m- this past Sunday was my birthday, and Roy Jr. and Luke gave me a present. Luke. So I got to work, and there was this giant box wrap, or let's say giant, like a decent size. So I open it up, and it's a uh, Batman the Animated Series Batman. It's recently released. Uh, Got it at GameStop, and so I think it's McFarlane Toys made it, but it's pretty cool. He's got multiple hands. He's got his uh, Batarang. He's got the grappling hook on everything else, so it's pretty cool, but I've left him in the box because I'm a little undecisive. Like, he looks really cool in the box. I'm yeah. kind of don't want to take him out. My uncle got me all the Ninja Turtle Hot Wheel cars they came out with not too long ago. Right. Same way, I didn't want to take those out of the box because they the I, just, I don't know. Like, I'm a graphic – well, I went to school for graphic design. So it's cool to see the packaging on things and how they do things. Well, I have a little bit of bad news. We can't use this one. This Why? is Avengers Infinity War Iron Man. I saw that. We're discussing but, Iron Man too. But still, it's Iron Man. So He's in there. He'll be coming along later. But uh, 
good news, my uncle bought me a, a second set of those Ninja Turtle Hot Wheel cars so that I can have a set that's open and a set that <laughs> it's keep in the box. That's cool. So That's really cool. But yeah, I don't know. I was looking at this earlier. I'm always a big fan. If you're watching on YouTube, I always look on the backside of toys and other stuff because it's always cool to see what else was in the same line. Uh, Iron Man's the main one. You got Iron Spider, Hulk, Bust, Hulk Buster, which Kevin let us borrow that one. Yes, he did. Kevin Savigny let us borrow that Last for week. the first one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Thanos is in here, a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, cool. Thank you, Ricky, for yep. not even knowing. But yep. well, letting yeah. us use your house, letting us Absolutely. use your bobblehead, your Funko, your and mugs. your mugs, yeah, your all electricity, the mugs. Uh, all the stuff, all the things. We had your dog in here earlier. So we did. We couldn't use her. N- no, never. So, <laughs> um, but we are excited to continue exploring the Marvel Cinematic Universe today with this next episode. But before we do that, listeners at home. If you haven't, please subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. They all have us. Everyone. Pretty much any of the major platforming uh, or platforming uh, podcasting platforms, uh, they will carry us. You just need to search for what what media? All one one word. And please rate and review us. We accept five-star reviews only if... For um, the Marvel stuff, if we could accept six-star reviews for the six Infinity Stones, we would. That'd be better. So instead of five stars, you have six stones. That's right. But they only allow five stars on most of these platforms. So uh, please rate, review us, five stars. Uh, Say what you want to about us, but Mm -hmm. give us that five-star review. For sure. Also, go ahead and follow us on Twitter Mm -hmm. at WTW underscore media and on Facebook and Instagram at WhatTheWhatMedia. Uh, if you interact with anyone on there, it'll be Kyle because I don't have taking social- a break from social media. Well, right now. just on my phone, so I still have it on my computer and my iPad, but I'm not near those nearly as much. Mm. So uh, Kyle is going to be your primary contact person on those. Um, but uh, make sure you check us out, follow us on those um, those uh, social media platforms. Yes, we and do have some exciting news coming up that will be a lot on social media for the next week. Yes, uh, we'll announce that at the end. Of this of today's episode, but definitely tune in and uh, definitely keep an eye open on our social media as we'll be announcing a contest that's coming up and just some awesome stuff all together for the next week or so. It's gonna be awesome. Um, also, this episode will be on YouTube. Hi YouTube, mm. and make sure you subscribe when you see us posting about our YouTube channel. Uh, more on that later as well. Also, one more thing: if you like this episode or any of the now thirty-six episodes. Of the What the What podcast. That's more than a like a television uh, show does uh, episodes for a full season. You know, unless it's like wrestling or whatever. Nowadays. Nowadays. But, you know, Back in the 90s, they would go on for well, a long time. Power Rangers did a 60-episode season one. Yep. Um, we're not nearly... Tailspin is huge yeah, as well. But like a typical TV series um, or season would last around 23, 24 episodes. We, so we beat that out. We're at like season two, two and a half at this point. Um yeah, so if you like any of those, yeah. we have another, yeah. we have like another request. We're trying to grow the show. We want to get more listeners like you, and we need your help. If you like this show, we would please ask that you share this episode with at least one friend. Tag us on social media, if that's where you end up sharing it. And Kyle, you'll, we'll see it. At least uh, I won't on my phone, but he might. Mm-hmm. Um, I might see it on my iPad if I'm ever on it. And we will give you and the person who shared it with a shout-out the next time we record. Yep. So. Yep. Did I hit all the all the all the high spots there? I think that's that's the the rundown. Cool. Well, on today's episode, we are diving in to Iron Man Two. Iron Man Two. Here is a huge spoiler warning. 
For today's episode, while Iron Man 2 is our primary focus, we will be going deep. Mm-hmm. We will be deep diving, possibly discussing details from any of the other 22 MCU films, Marvel television shows, and comic books from which the source material came from, taking the entire Infinity Saga into account. See. With that in mind, look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it, and let's move on to our basic information and plot about Iron Man 2. Two. So, it's key word today, folks. Two. Our researcher, uh, Tim Hutchinson, gave me this great basic information. Filming began in April of 2009, mm-hmm. and the film debuted on April 26, 2010. Great job, Tim. That's we really all appreciate the basic that. information we have. That's um, all you need to know. That's all we need to know. It came out in 2010. It was the third movie that came out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, they pretty much fast tracked the sequel after the success of Iron Man uh, came out two years prior. So, here's what happened in Iron Man 2. In Russia, the media covers Tony Stark's disclosure of his identity as Iron Man. Remember, the last movie ended with, I am Iron Man. And then all the flashing bulbs of the cameras and stuff, and the movie ends. Um, And then then you probably saw the the, uh, credits, and you left the theater not knowing there'd be something at the end. That's right. Um, Ivan Vanko, whose father, Anton Vanko. Am I saying Vanko right? Is it Vanko? Vanko. I think it's Vanko. Vanko. Uh, Ivan Vanko, whose father Anton Vanko has just died, sees this, and he begins building a miniature arc reactor that's similar to Tony Stark's. Mm-hmm. Six months later, Tony's a superstar. Surprise. He is using his Iron Man suit for peaceful means. He's resisting government ple- uh, pressure to sell his designs. He reinstitutes the Stark Expo to continue his father Howard's legacy. Later, Stark learns that the Palladium... Palladium? 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 Is that the word I'm trying to say? Palladium? That's my guess. I mean, you watch sure you, you the movie. I think it's palladium. I'm, I'm just, you know, really bad Palladium. At words. Palladium um, sounds good as well. Yeah. Well, the core in the art reactor that keeps him alive and powers the armor, it's slowly poisoning him. Well, you know what they say. You're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. We're not doing School of Rock here. That applies uh, to every part well, of it life. It does. That's true. It doesn't matter superhero movie or not. Like, life in general. You're not hardcore unless you live hardcore. And you're not hardcore. And you're not hardcore. Unless you live hardcore. Unless you live hardcore. And the legend <laughs> of the red was way hardcore. Wow, we just okay did that. See? Um, so, and Tony Stark cannot find a substitute for the palladium core in the art reactor. He ought to have someone in the front office. He should have. My mom used to do that for a long time. You yes. couldn't make it to work? My mom finds us. I, w- I would call you. her. She still is someone you can reach out for that for some of that. I think stuff. they have a program now. Well, they do, but she's also like if it's last minute, mm. talk to Teresa. Um, anyway, um, Stark is growing increasingly reckless. It's going to take us like an hour to go through this. Just you know, all the whatever, and he's very despondent about his impending death. You know, he's got a death sentence, mm-hmm. and he's choosing not to tell anyone about his condition because you know men can be stupid sometimes. Um, so Stark appoints his personal assistant, Pepper Potts. You know Pepper. See. Uh, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, as CEO of Stark Industries, effective immediately. And he, uh, he hires a Stark employee, Natalie Rushman, probably her real name, to replace her as his personal assistant. Stark competes in the Monaco Historic Grand Prix, where he's attacked in the middle of the race by Vanco, who's wielding electrified whips. Stark dons his armor. He defeats Vanco, but the suit is severely damaged. 
And Vanko explains that his intention was to prove to the world that Iron Man is not invincible. Should have played like Whip It in the whip background. It. Yes, Whip It good. Mm-hmm. You know, I use Whip It every now and then. Um, you know, like jokingly, whenever I'm trying to like to get the class to be quiet, like when a problem comes along, you must zip it. Zip it good. Mm-hmm. They don't get the joke. You know what they would get? What? If you said whip it and pulled out a whip <laughs> and threatened to whip them, they would understand then. Yeah, but I don't like the Joko report, and I really don't want to be on it. Banco <laughs> showed up some whips. People stopped. They ran. Well, impressed by Ivan Vanko's performance, Tony Stark's rival, Justin Hammer, fakes his death, Vanko's death, that is, while breaking him out of prison and asks him to build a line of armored suits to upstage Stark. And during what he believes is his final birthday party, Tony Stark gets drunk while wearing the Iron Man suit. And disgusted, Stark's best friend and United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes, played by Terrence Howe... Oh. No, not, not this time. Not this time. Don Cheadle, who I prefer personally. I wonder if Chris Rhodes is related to him. Chris, when you listen to this, I need you to text Kyle or me and... Um, Let us know. Are you related? Yeah, I mean, that would be great. How about Dusty Rhodes? Yeah, oh, that would be... Or Cody. Ima- the American Nightmare Cody. He can't, Can you imagine Dusty Rhodes in an Iron Man suit? Hulkbuster. It'd have to be the Hulkbuster. It would, <laughs> but like, can you imagine how good that would be? Oh, The American wow. Dream Iron Man. That, that would be crazy. You have the polka-dotted Iron Man. Yeah. Oh, man. Somebody out there make that. 20 yeah. years from now when somebody <laughs> finally listens and is like, hey, this, what were they doing back then? This is the like, like the crossover we need. We need Dusty Rhodes as Iron Man. Somebody draw that. I'm going to tweet Cody. You should. Uh, after, after we're done recording this. Because he's usually pretty responsive to fans on Twitter. I wonder if he you know, has ever thought of that connection. Um, Make well, no, sure you would, include the fact be, of Rhodes. But it wouldn't be Iron Man. It would be, be War, War Machine. Machine. Or Iron Patriot if we're in Iron Man 3. The American War Machine. Yes. Um, War, the American War Madream. Ooh, look at that. Look at that. Folks, at that. you're getting gold stuff right here. Good stuff. Anyway, uh, gold stuff. So Gold dust. Gold dust. <laughs> anyway, um, Rhodey dons Stark's prototype armor and tries to restrain him. The fight ends in a stalemate, and Rhodes confiscates the armor for the United States Air Force. Nick Fury, played by our friend, um, not really, uh, Sam, cool. Sam Jackson. That would be really cool if he was mm-hmm. our friend, because he's been in Star Wars, too. So. Yeah. Um, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. approaches Stark, revealing that Natalie Rushman, actually not a real name. What a shock. Surprise. Who knew? Who would have thought? Actually, she is Agent Natasha Romanoff. Now, who could that be? And that Howard Stark... His father mm-hmm. was a S.H.I.E.L.D. founder whom Nick Fury knew personally. Fury explains that Vanko's father and Stark invented the arc reactor together, but when Anton, Anton tried to sell it, Stark had him deported. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Soviets sent Anton to the Gulag. Fury gives Stark some of his father's old material, and Tony discovers a hidden message in the diorama of the 1974 Stark Expos. It proves to be a diagram of the atomic structure of a new element. With the aid of his AI, Jarvis, Jordan Edgerton, are you listening? We We're here. We Jarvis. Jarvis. And he's actually, Jarvis. he's actually getting his own section Jarvis. in this episode. So Jarvis. Uh, Stark synthesizes Jarvis. this new element, and when he learns that Ivan Vanko is still alive, he places the new element in his arc reactor and ends his palladium dependency. At the expo, Justin Hammer unveils Vanko's armored drones led by Rhodes in heavily weaponized version of the prototype armor. Stark arrives to warn Rhodes, but Vanko takes remote control of all the drones and Rhodes' armor 
and he attacks Stark. Hammer is arrested while Romanoff and Stark's bodyguard, Happy Hogan, we got Happy Hogan to mention. See. Um, oui, they, oui, go oui. At, they go after Ivan Vanko at Hammer's factory. Vanko escapes, but Romanoff returns control of Rhodes' armor to him, and together Stark and Rhodes defeat Vanko and his drone, drones. Vanko commits suicide by blowing up a suit along with the defeated drones, and added a briefing, Nick Fury informs Stark that because of his difficult personality, S.H.I.E.L.D. intends to use him only as a consultant, not as like a hero of any kind of sort. Probably couldn't afford him. And then Stark and Rhodes receive medals for their heroism, very uh, reminiscent of uh, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo receiving their medals, mm. but not Chewbacca. He finally got his spoiler. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, don't go see that, my goodness. Um, but wait, there is one more thing to talk about. In a post credit scene, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Phil Coulson, he reports the discovery of a large hammer at the bottom of a crater in a desert in New Mexico. Probably just someone misplaced their, uh, their toolkit or something. It's probably Tim Taylor's. Yeah. He's out there in the <laughs> desert. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. probably looking for it right now. He can't find it. What are your thoughts and personal memories of this movie, Iron Man 2? Real quick, you know who else was also a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Who? Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah, and he's probably going to be facing Goldberg at WrestleMania. Might as well. Might as well. Battle of the Spears. So, yeah, uh, back to this. Also, contest for anybody out there. Uh, I don't know, because I'm not going to count this. I'm not going to actually offer a prize. But fun times, we'll mention you. Count how many different times or different ways we say Vanko or Vanko or Vanko. Or Vanko. So, something about that. It also counts if I try to use a different accent every time. Because, some, you know, like sometimes I use my regular Johnston County accent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll try to be the Russian and use a Vanko like this. It's a Vanko, but that sounds but Italian. Oh, you're going to Vanko a pizza. I feel like I'm actually doing Dario's Croatian accent. But that's true. So, <laughs> who knows? All the accents. All folks, the accents that I'm All out of love. With. Anywho, uh, I will say I'm positive I saw this one in movie theaters. The last two I've said maybe I thought I did. By the time we got done with the second uh, episode, which was on The Incredible Hulk, I realized I had never seen it until the time I saw it, the time to watch it for this podcast. I know I saw this one in movie theaters. Uh, this is the one for me that started it all with the excitement of from here forward, I'm going to be at every Marvel movie with at least probably within a few days of the release, uh, you know, the premiere. I've still got about another year before I get to See, I was excited with this. Um, you know, for me, it was something now you're seeing, okay, they're really going to do something with this. This isn't just, you know, a couple movies and they're going to call it quits. How every other thing we've ever seen has been. X-Men's been that way. You know, X-Men continued to go on to do some other things. But Spider-Man 1, 2, 3 called it quits. Ninja Turtles 1, 2, 3 called it quits. Batman, you know, technically has four. By the way, with... Uh, Turtles. We're doing that one at the end of March. So Might as well. That one comes out the I believe, the best last, one of all mo- time. Last Monday of March. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but there's those. You know the the Nolan trilogy of Batman three. One, you two, know, three. One, two, three. Yep. So for us to see this, and you know, it's still it's early. Like we know that now they're they're trying to do more with this. But for the first time, you're starting to see different movies interacting together. You know, with not. Not fully yet, not like you're going to see in years to come, but you're seeing little hints here and there. How crazy is it? That was 10 years ago. Like, literally, I mean, this is 2020. March, mm-hmm. uh, when this comes out, it'll be March of 2020. And this movie came out in a- April 2010. So we're still talking about the very beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. At this point in life, it feels like we've always had it. Yeah. You know, there are kids who, you know, all the kids that I teach, 
have never lived in a world without the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, it's like we're both 33 right now, so it's roughly a third of our life has included Marvel movies, like this Marvel. Like this, this Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is insane. Has been a third of our life. It's um, so crazy. So that is. like, And I didn't think about that until now, and I'm usually not a math person. But today, math. Uh, for me, though, I really like this one. Uh, as It's not like my favorite or definitely or anywhere near that, but as I've mentioned before, a lot of the things that I like about some of these movies is whenever you get like more of a real-world attachment see him struggle with things. It's not all just big superheroes blowing up things. Like, they're always fun to watch. Like, that thing, you know, the big fight scenes are awesome to see. They're fun to see all the different things. But uh, you finally get to see Tony Stark as who he is in the comics a little bit. You know, his you know his battle he has with alcoholism. You know, they finally showed it in this one. You know, John Favreau talked about how he wanted to somewhat show that before. But, you know, being a family movie for the most part, you had to cross that line carefully. Right. Uh, but I feel like they had a perfect opportunity to do that here where he's not drunk the entire movie or anything. It's just, it showed him how that scene where he's out of control. Um, but he's also dealing with the fact of his blood toxicity levels are so high because of this thing that's keeping him alive. You know, you briefly talked about that too. And I won't go into a big spiel about it, but to know that, you know, the thing that makes you who you are now, that everybody, you know, he's got his brain, of course, everything else too. But, they know him as the Iron Man, this person that's going around saving the world now, like their go-to guy for saving things. And what's keeping him, Aemon, and allowing him to be able to do that is killing him at the same time. But without it, he's going to die anyway. So right. he's kind of at a stalemate with that. So you start to see him, you know, come to realization with that, where he gives away his entire art collection to the Boy Scouts of America, you know, and Pepper gets all upset about it. But, you know, for him, it was, it was a tax write-off. Yeah. But there's part of that, like, if you look at a deeper level, it's like, okay, he's not going to need it anymore, so he's getting rid of it. Uh, secondly, he makes Pepper the CEO, which part of it is he just really believes she can do it. You know, I mean, she's definitely qualified for it. But at the same time, he's kind of, like, setting things up so when he's gone, it's already there. And a little bit of it's, like, showing how he cares about people. Right. He's not real good at it. Like, he's not, you know, he's very about himself. Um and I thought about this, you know, it's a little sidebar here, but just the the connection. You know, a lot of people compare, you know, Iron Man to Batman. Yes. In the sense that they're both billionaires, you know, rich people that do what they do, and then they're superior on the side. Whereas you have Tony Stark, who everybody knows who he is. Bruce Wayne and Batman, they don't know, and there's a distinction there. But in a lot of the movies, say like the Nolan trilogy, Anytime you saw Bruce Wayne, he was acting like a jerk right. to try to throw that persona out there, but he was faking a lot of that. You know, The things he was doing was not who he really was. He was just trying to keep up a personality versus Tony Stark because just kind of who he is, You know, that's who he is. He is who he is, and that's right. who he is. I am what I am, and that's what I am. But um, I, I don't can, know. I can stand no more. Okay, yes. Uh, Popeye reference for yes. today. But I don't I know. Didn't think we'd be going there today. You never you? know. Uh, but I thought about that. Um, well, it's one of the things, um, not to cut you off. No, go for you it. mentioned um, we're talking about basic humanity mm -hmm. in, in a hero here, mm -hmm. and it's one of the things that it, it's really hard for me to relate to a, a hero like Superman. Sure, because yes, yeah, Super uh, Superman has his secret identity as Clark Kent, and but you know, and there's other things that kind of like you know he has his own weaknesses and stuff. But for the most part, it's like how do you how do you beat him? Um, you know, there's not a lot of humanity there. Um, it's why I, I feel like his roles have really kind of failed to connect with audiences on screen as much as some of these. Because even like with like a guy like Thanos, who's this purple warlord alien, 
you see the humanity side of him where he's concerned about overpopulation. And yeah, it's terrible, you know, what he wants to do in Infinity War, trying to wipe out half of the galaxy or the universe with a snap of his fingers using the Infinity Stones. But he has his reasons for it. And those reasons are justified in his mind because of the things he has seen. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see the humanity side of it. So what I like about what you're talking about and what we see, uh, this is not just your typical, here's superhero, here's bad guy, bad guy, superhero, Mm -hmm. fight. No, there's layers here. It's like an ogre. Mm -hmm. There are layers. See. Um, uh, You know, there's layers that you can see where it's not just Tony Stark the superhero. You're seeing Tony Stark the human. Mm -hmm. And you honestly see a lot of that. Like in this movie, you see some of it in the previous movie too, but you see that where he's Tony Stark a lot more in this movie for you know than Iron Man. Absolutely. Iron Man has his big parts, but there's still the whole where Vanko is building, you know, these drones for uh Hammer, that's kind of going on, but it's not Iron Man seeking him out. It's no. Tony dealing with Tony's life now, uh knowing all these things. And even when he goes off the deep end, whenever Nick Fury finds him, you know, and everything else. Um, you see another side of it where Tony feels like his dad never cared about him. Tony's dad was a genius and was a brilliant genius, but he never felt that his dad cared about him. And whenever you know Nick Fury wants him to look through all this, you know, back film and through this case to figure things out for himself or whatever, you know, it's not until those moments where he really does realize that his dad actually cared about him. In the midst of everything else, he's trying to figure out how to save his own life, how to do anything, whatever's going on, and then he's confronted with this. His dad speaking from the past. Yeah. And, I mean, it's an amazing thing for me. Well, and it's, I don't know, you talked about how, you know, he was just, he knew he was going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, he had this in his mind. So, um, when you're facing your own mortality, um, and this is something that I, I can't say that I've ever really, like, said or, you know, been told, hey, you're going to die. I mean, I don't sure. know what that's like. But there are little things that happen in life that tell you, hey, you're not superhuman. Mm-hmm. You know, when I got my diagnosis, you know, with my diabetic stuff a few months ago, you know, I took I took it really hard mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, if I don't get my act together, I might not be around to enjoy some of the things in life that I really want to enjoy, mm-hmm. like a family one day or, you know, having all my limbs and stuff like that. True. Um, you know, stuff like that makes you think about, you know, who you are as a person. Um, so I really enjoyed us getting to see uh, that side of Tony Stark, where he's like, "I'm not gonna have all the stuff. I need to, I need to get rid of it. I need to make sure I put someone I trust in charge of my father's company." Because mm-hmm. um, he already saw in the previous movie where somebody's running his father's exactly. company, who is horrible out for their own gain, versus Pepper Potts is looking for the good of the cause and the world. So I don't know. It was good for me. Like, and it's one of those things. Going back and seeing the movie now, you're seeing seeing it with the kind of those nostalgic goggles we've talked about before, but. For me, another thing that stood out with this is Shield. Yes, you see Shield so much involved. Even now, it's starting to grow, but you're seeing Shield more involved in this movie than before. Where you know Agents of Shield starts to come out, everything else they're building, you know, ground here for television show that's going to interact with the movie as well, which right. hasn't been done before, at least not that I remember. Right. Um, and so to know now, you know, they've kind of passed that season, you know, where you don't see Shield hardly ever, and you know, or any, you know, you may see little sprinkles of things. But there's this time where it's all growing together. So for a long time, you know, from here forward, you're starting to see more of Coulson. You're seeing, you know, even Black Widow, who comes in now as part of technically of S.H.I.E.L.D., yep. you know, An forming into Shield. this. Yep. Uh, and just even seeing more agents this time, seeing Coulson kind of step in 
more you know in a strong setting this time around uh to the point that he's told you know tony he's not allowed to let him leave the building tony's like you know send your guys down to get some coffee blah 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 and he said that's not my job no i'm just here to make sure you don't leave right uh and so it just shows a little more of a strong side of him uh also i want to bring up you know black widow it's the first time we see her yes and what a debut and it's awesome especially going back i went and saw it again at some point i didn't go anywhere now they have disney plus I rewatched this one after watching Iron Man 1 whenever we did the last podcast. And then I watched it again this week. I uh, turned it back on as I was doing some other things. But I, I looked at her more differently as well, or more different whether it was proper English is. But I didn't know a ton about her at this time period. I knew by, you know, news you knew about and seeing her on, you know, pictures or stuff. Okay, we're going to get a Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson's playing her and but all I knew about her was, you know, she's a redhead with guns and you don't want to mess with her. Like, she's, you know, tough. Well, Black Widow, um, like, I had no idea who she was before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And I think there was, outside of the X-Men, mm-hmm. th- uh, there were just, you know, growing up in the 90s, a severe lack of female superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um Everyone knew about Wonder Woman because she had her TV show like mm-hmm. in the 70s or with Linda And Carter all the reruns and everything And else. all the reruns and stuff. Um, but in terms of female superheroes, I could think of Black Cat because she was in the Spider-Man TV show. You had Batgirl. You had Batgirl because she was in the Batman animated tel- te- uh, television show. You had Rogue, Storm, Jubilee. You had Catwoman that technically was a villain, but she was she still was a strong character. She was kind of an anti-hero. Uh, so was Black Cat technically mm-hmm. an you know, anti-hero. Um but who did you have that you really kind of knew about? You're missing a major one. Uh, who, who? Venus from Ninja Turtles. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh my, I hope we never talk about that terrible TV show. Um, but we saying. will when we get to Power Rangers Season 6. Okay. <laughs> because they cross over. Um, but there was no you know, female uh, superheroes that mm-hmm. you know, really could look up to because... Um, they weren't that, just a side character. Well, th- exactly. X-Men did a good job. I mean, like the yeah, ones X- we've mentioned did, did a good really job of those job. characters. Um, I think uh, uh, Miss Marvel was mm-hmm. in the uh, the X-Men series. I remember seeing her episodes because she plays a big part in Rogue, mm-hmm. um, getting her powers. Um, but, you know, to, uh, these uh, superheroes, Marvel and DC, were all marketed to boys. So, mm-hmm. and boys didn't want to play with girl, girl toys or, you know, girl superheroes. Mm-hmm. I mean, this their thinking, at least. Uh, whether how true that is or not, I know I had the pink and yellow Power Rangers, and I played with them. Um, I did with, with, and with the uh, black and red and blue and green. I mean, just and I had Storm because like, yeah, X Men wasn't complete without Storm. I, I had a Storm actually. I had, I had a Rogue was one of my favorite characters mm-hmm, for sure. Um, Rogue and Gambit were my two mm-hmm. favorite characters on the X Men uh, animated series. Um, but so not knowing who Black Widow uh, mm-hmm. was, uh, not that big of a deal. I mean, or not you know surprising because. They, they Unless were, you were into comics, they you were didn't never know. really marketed to us growing mm-hmm. up. Um, so seeing her get in there and kick a bunch of butt was mm-hmm. really, really awesome. Well, the cool thing is too is going back and seeing this now. It made me think about all the other movies that we experienced her in from there forward, and then to know she's finally, after all these years, getting her own movie, mm-hmm. um, it made me more excited to finally see that as well. Just because as a character, once again, she's not relying on a bunch of. Uh, powers that are just given to her or anything else you know there's a bigger deeper backstory to that but just to see her as a person i remember when that came out and being like okay you've got captain america when avengers finally came around you've right. got hulk iron man but you've got hawkeye and black widow who was here's a lady with guns and a guy with arrows but 
at, as a, a stand backish look at it. that way it sounds horrible, but no, there's so much deepness to both, both of those characters. I always think about him in Age of Ultron, Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll mention this when we get to Ultron, I believe, in the end of the year, um, November. Some point. I'm thinking, yeah. Um, where he's talking to Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, we got a bunch of flying robots around, and I've got a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. Yeah. Um, just the, uh, the self-awareness. So anyway, um, but yeah, uh, Black Widow was awesome, and uh, just to see her grow as a character f- starting here mm-hmm. and throughout the series was really, really awesome. So, And I'm very excited for the upcoming Black Widow mo- movie coming out in May. And you briefly mentioned this too, but you talked about how she was never put out there as a major female superhero, or we didn't have any experience with her until this movie. Well, even after this, there was still, you know, as years to come, there's a backlash of not giving her enough credit. You're not getting her on action figures like she should. Not well, getting she her. She should have got a movie. I mean, way before now. Way before now. But they finally, you know, years later, start bringing out Black Widow stuff because they realize, okay, well, girls are actually into this too, and boys want to yeah, buy what, this. Like, what a shock! Girls yeah. are into superheroes too, and boys want boys to have all the want action. to have all the action figures. They don't care if it's male or female. I mean, yeah, who so cares? They finally caught on to that. You know, it took. I want to say, you know, Wonder Woman came out before they really started giving her a push like she deserved. Yeah. And a lot of credit was given to DC because they finally pushed a female lead character. And it was the best movie, uh, you know. I'd agree with best that. Movie. It's definitely DC the best movie in the DC, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it can be done. So. Um, you got anything else on that? Uh, just um, whenever I went through this movie, um, I, d- I did not enjoy much of this movie necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, in my rankings of these movies before Endgame, let me pull it up because you told me not to tell you. Um, I wanted to be surprised. First. Iron Man 2 out of 21 movies was number 19. To what was behind it? Uh, Incred- Incredible Hulk was 20. And Thor The Dark World was 21. Um, and my uh, thoughts that I wrote on Twitter were there were a lot of important players added to the universe here, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story and the villain was lacking a little bit. Um, I did like the deep dive into the, the personal stuff with Tony Stark and the, uh, the layered emotions there. Mm-hmm. Um, but compared to all the other MCU films, it just didn't cut the mustard. So those are my short, brief faults. I think you covered everything pretty well. So. Cool. Kyle? Yeah? Everything is achievable through technology. Better living, robust health, and for the first time in human history, the possibility of world peace. Wow, this movie is not aged well. So from all of us here at the What the What podcast, I would personally like to introduce you to our best scenes. I'm going to go first. Go I, for I, it. I think we have the same first, uh, one of the uh, first scenes. Um, the scene would start testifying in Congress. Yes. In the courtroom um, is definitely one that is very memorable to me. Mm-hmm. The uh, back and forth between Tony and that senator, who turns out to be a Hydra agent, by the way. Mm-hmm. We find that out in Iron Man 3. Hell Hydra. Hell Hydra. Um, that, that just back and forth there was uh, incredible. Uh, you'll hear me use some of their, that qu- uh, quotes from that uh, scene later, but I uh, just really, really love that scene. You want to expand on that? <laughs> sure. Um, I really like, well, first the fact, too, that they're here and they're telling him, hey, give us the suit. You have to give us the suit. And for him, technically, nope. You know, no, it's his. Technically, it's his company's. It's his thing. So I'm not going to go off of there because there could be so many conversations had from there. But just you even see Pepper later talking to people, you know, with, I guess within her company saying, or attorneys saying, 
what do you mean? Like, it's ours. What do you mean not pursue this? Because Rhodey's going off with, you know, what becomes War Machine and just took it. Like, he didn't borrow it. He didn't have permission to go give it. He just took it and gave it to him. Um, but there's that. But beyond that, to me, something that I really liked was how they started showing, well, you know, there's other, I guess, countries and organizations starting to build similar suits. Oh, he's like, that, he's, like this? And he starts pulling up, like, with, you know, his, his technology that's years beyond anything they he have. Just hack into the courtroom. And, and just pulls up all these videos of all these things. But I remember distinctly being in the theaters and seeing this scene because there goes to one where Justin Hammer, who's, you know, the part of the defense. Is he the head of defense? Yeah, he has, like, the defense contract, contract for, for, the, the uh, weapons. for the uh, weapons um, for the United States military. And so he's got that, and all of a sudden, there he is. He said, oh, this, you know, what's Mr. Hammer doing there? And he's helping, you know, he's there with a prototype suit with somebody else, and he's like, okay, now just turn to the right. And the guy in the suit turns to the right. Well, the machine rips all the way around and breaks the guy's back, at least. You know, you hear the noise, mm -hmm. you hear that, and just seeing that, there's nothing gruesome that shows there's not blood or anything, but, like, Seeing that turn around and hearing that voice in the middle of that stuck with me. It was in that moment you realize, like, okay, this is a real-world type situation now. Um, not that Iron Man or whatever is not real-world, whatever, but it puts you in a context to realize, like, okay, well, how much further he is, you know, in building his own suits to being able to control what he does. You know, in the previous movie, we saw him having issues trying to fly or trying to, you know, get control of everything. Right. But then it shows you other companies without his smarts, without his, you know, well, with what he's designed and for them to do things. And there's people dying because of it, you know, trying these things out. Um, I don't know. Just that scene stuck with me. It's one of those, once again, more realistic scenes where it hits you and it's like, okay, well, crap, that could happen. Yeah, this is real-world atmosphere, um, mm -hmm. as you have in your notes here because I'm reading off your notes. I'll steal my um, notes. <laughs> I'll steal whatever I want to. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed the Monaco um, racing scene, mm -hmm. um, mainly because um, – I think the trailers for this or the commercials for this movie, um, you see uh, Ivan Vanko, Vanko, Vanko. Um, you know, like his whips that's kind of cutting through the car mm -hmm. there. And that's just something that sticks out to me. And, mm -hmm. um, I think it's kind of what made like him being a disappointing villain all the more disappointing because it was such a great first scene. Mm -hmm. And then never, nothing ever kind of really lived up to it. But that, that first scene uh, uh, in Monaco was uh, fantastic. Um, I, I added on to that scene as well. Uh, for me, I'm a car guy, so it's always, of course, cool to see stuff like that. But I don't know. Like, I got a strong feeling from him in this scene. Now, sure, he doesn't rank high on the villains of all the Marvel movies, but he's no uh, Ultron or well, he's not. Thanos, or but at the same time, he's when you look at him, he's literally just a guy, not even a full suit. He's in a partial suit wearing these things. How they introduced him in the beginning of that was so cool to me. Where all of a sudden he's walking out. And instead of like taking his top off to reveal, it literally ignites and burns off of him because of the things underneath it. You know, his clothes turn to shreds from up top because of the electrical currents going through. And the fight scene going back and seeing it like the other night, I see so much more now where, sure, it's still just him fighting with somebody else. But to see how powerful those things are, he literally destroys that entire car you know, that Happy is driving, you know, where they're in there, he splits it in half, he takes whips the side off of he's literally cutting it like hot butter, just everywhere, like destroying the thing. Uh, so to see when Iron Man comes up, it, it showed me as well, like how strong Iron Man is to whenever he whips him, right. how confident was he that that, you know, whip wasn't going to go through his arm the same way it did through that car. But he caught it, and, you know, I don't know, it's how it goes through from there. Uh, another scene that I really liked was uh, later on, Whenever he's kind of grounded, you know, in his little place trying to go through his dad's history things or all these other files, 
and he's got these clips up of his dad, you know, doing the expo presentation. And it's, you know, like kind of like how you would have like extra credit scenes where it's, you know, or laugh tracks, whatever it happened, didn't work, happened, didn't work. You know, he kept coming back and forth. And then as he's looking down, all of a sudden he hears his dad say his name and he looks up. You know, I won't read the whole quote or anything, but just to know there's this moment where his dad, you know, looks straight at the camera, which is pretty much looking straight at Tony and saying the technology of this world, you know, it doesn't exist for the capability of what I have planned or, you know, what I, I see here. Right. But it will for you. And he talks about, you know, Tony being his greatest creation. <coughs> and for me, it gets to that point where you start to see there's another side of Tony where he struggled, you know, all his life where he was smart, his dad was smart. But you see why he kind of became the way he did because he didn't have that loving, you know, nurturing person there for him. You know, his dad was super proud of him, but he didn't know it. He never said it. He didn't vocalize it. And so for him to hear that now, um, it really made a difference for him going forward. Um, let's see. And we're talking about that scene where, you know, once Tony gets back to the car scene, once Tony actually gets his suit on, you know, the fight scene doesn't go on much longer and he's right. just over with. And you see it when he's talking to Vanko later about, you know, well, you didn't even win, you know, you, you lost, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And then Vanko came back and said, if you can make God bleed, people will, will cease to believe in him. There will be blood in the water. The sharks will come. All I have to do is sit back and watch the world consume you now. So for me, you know, of course, you're used to superhero movies. Win, lose, who, who won? Obviously, Tony won that. But when he comes back and says that, it opens your eyes and say, okay, well, actually, here is this person that all he had to do was just show him that he wasn't as indestructible as everybody thought he was or as, as he thought he was. And, you know, using that, you know, logic, he doesn't have to be the one to beat him. Mm -mm. I've showed that he can be beat. Mm -hmm. Someone else will come along and do the job for me. Mm -hmm. And that, that was his ultimate goal. So, As a villain, he didn't even come across like, you know, we talked about, sure, he's no Ultron, he's no Thanos, but... Yeah. All he did was just to show that he's beatable type mm -hmm. situation. So um, I'll mention this too. I love how Tony's suit and each, you know, first off, obviously his suit changes in every movie. He has upgrades and stuff. But something for me I always love to watch is how the suit gets carried around. Whereas the beginning, it's just stored somewhere and he has to go get into it and get in it and everything else. Versus this one, it's carried around in a briefcase. Uh, and the briefcase is one of those things he puts it down where it's, you know, it's handcuffed to happy at all times. Until he needs it, he put it down on the ground, kind of stepped into it, put his hands down, and then from that suitcase, it engulfs around him. Um, for me, I always think about things like you've got the Flash, who had his costume inside of a ring on his hand. You had, you know, Batman that would either wear part of it underneath his suit, or Alfred would have it in a car nearby, or, you know, it'd be in a suitcase as well. Uh, who else did I write down? There's a couple more. Um, like the angel in the comics. I remember having a copy of X-Men number one, not the real one. It was a reproduction copy of X-Men number one. But I remember seeing back then how, you know, the X-Men weren't, you know, they had their secret identities. Well, that angel at the time before he became Archangel had, you know, these giant wings growing off of him. And underneath his shirt, they would wrap around him and have like a strap or a belt holding him down. Um, and like I said, it doesn't necessarily relate to this movie, but just one of those ways that, if you're a superhero that you have to either have a costume for or you have to conceal things, there's always something for me. I enjoy looking at stuff like that, seeing how do they, you know, hide themselves. Ninja Turtles literally wore, you know, a trench coat, a hat, and sometimes a rubber mask to pretend to be human. Right. But um, for stuff like this, it's just something to see for me. I just, I love seeing that. You know, we see later on in other movies, it's part of, you know, him in general. It's, you know, what is it? They're called the little, 
in the, uh, in the later movies at the very end, it's just oh, yeah. the little uh, tiny little robots. Mm-hmm. Like the nanobots. The nanobots. Yeah, that's the right word. Nanotechnology. But how it all forms out and you know makes his costume around or his you know the Iron Man armor around him. Um, but you see it in different ways here. I know there's like one part that's in a glove in coming up movies that we'll see you know from here forward. Um, but I don't know. It's just something neat for me. I enjoy seeing that type of things. Uh, are we going to go ahead and spoil the end credit scene here as well? We can. Before we do that, um, yeah. my other, my last scene that I enjoyed um, was basically the scene with Black Widow and Happy Hogan going into mm-hmm. Hammer's factor, um, factory or warehouse, whatever, and uh, just seeing Black Widow get in there with her uh, Huracarana, little twisted whatever, mm-hmm. and Hogan's like, hang on, I'll help you. And he's like, uh, she's like, yeah, I don't need your help. I mean, yeah, it, it was pretty awesome. Well, that's the first time, too. You really, I mean, she had little hints here and there yeah. um, of showing off her abilities, but finally here you get to see who she really is and how amazing she really is. Uh, so it is cool to see that because even getting in, when Happy says, I'm, you know, I'm going in with you, like mm-hmm. feeling like he needed to protect her. Yeah, nah. Turns out, like, no, nah, she really needs you <laughs> anyway at all. But uh, I don't know. It's just cool to see how that is. Uh, spoiler alert for the the in credit scene. We've already given the spoiler alert. Earlier, I know, but just but I'm throwing it out here right now. But uh, it's Thor's hammer. Yes. You know, Coulson has to leave earlier anyway in the movie where he throws out that he's needed elsewhere. Um, I in think the South, in the Southwest region. In the Southwest region. So he heads out there. And uh, I remember this being, once again, this is another scene for me that made me excited for what was to come in Marvel movies. Uh, I don't know if Thor had been announced yet. I know that he was already in thoughts and minds of stuff of what was going to happen. But for them, all of a sudden, just that brief second, you know, to zoom over and there it is right there in the corner of the frame, this, you know, Thor's hammer. I don't know. It just made me excited. Did I know anything about Thor? No. I Honestly, I knew he was a god. I knew he had a helmet. I knew he wore a cape. Uh, I knew the very little, but I was super excited because I was like, you've already hooked me. I didn't know anything about Iron Man, and you're hooked me now. So I don't know what you're going to do with Thor. I'm not as excited probably, if I'm being honest. But I was excited because it's like, okay, they're doing this. They're yeah. going to go out there and bring in these characters that we don't necessarily know about, but they've already got a great track record so far with me anyway at this point with Iron Man. And, you know, obviously I didn't see the Hulk, but for Iron Man, you know, I was excited. I was pumped. I said, you know, they can do this. I trust that they can do this. Uh, but I don't know. It just, it's one of those scenes that I remember being in the movie theater. Like, I know that. I know what that is. I know what that is. Like, I don't know. Do you have any memories of that a year later coming back and seeing after no. you've already seen Thor and realized who he is and then yeah, coming back to I be mean, like, oh, there's the Samurai. I'm going to be honest with That's you. That's how they brought him yeah, in. Yeah, basically, uh, with, with Thor, I mean, it took me forever to watch the Thor movies. Mm. Um, just I never got really, really excited about him. I enjoyed him in Avengers. Sure. Um, and I think I just went back and watched them just to be a completionist. Mm. But, yeah. So. All righty. Well, what do we want from you? Yeah, what do you want from me? What do we want from me? You have, to, you have become a problem, a problem I have to deal with. Contrary to your belief, you are not the center of my universe. Well, I have bigger problems than you in the Southwest region to deal with. In every episode from the Running and the Infinity Gauntlet series, we've been taking a deeper look at one of the elements that plays an important role in the movie and the entire saga. So, with that in mind, Eric, let's take a trip down to the Avengers compound and you teach us what we need to know about Jarvis. First of all, when you said that I'm not the center of your universe, that, that hurt. Just well, a little bit. <laughs> I'm not married to you. That's true. And thank goodness for that. Even though sometimes when you say your wife's name, it comes out as Eric. Anyway, um, <laughs> Jarvis stands for just a rather very intelligent system. Uh, he is a, it is a f- fictional artificial intelligence that first appeared 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where he was voiced by Paul Bettany in Iron Man, Iron Man 2, The Avengers, Iron Man 3, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Jarvis is first introduced in the films that take place in the MCU, presented as a sophisticated AI, modeled after Homer from the comments, H-O-M-E-R. This was done to avoid similarities to Alfred Pennyworth and Batman. There's your Batman comparison Mm -hmm. again. Paul Bettany admits that he had little idea of what the role was, even as he recorded it, simply doing it as a favor for John Favreau. Jarvis is an AI function or AI that functions as Tony Stark's assistant, running all the internal systems of Stark's buildings and the Iron Man suits. In Peter David's novelization of Iron Man, Jarvis is said to be an acronym for just a rather very intelligent system. Jarvis also appears in the Disneyland attraction Inventions, and in Iron Man Three, Jarvis provides secondary control of the Iron Legion AI drones to combat Aldrich Killian's extremist army. In Avengers Age of Ultron, Jarvis is apparently destroyed by Ultron, but is later revealed that he actually distributed his consciousness throughout the internet, allowing his security protocols to delay Ultron's attempt to access Earth's nuclear launch codes long enough for Tony to work out what had happened. Stark and Bruce Banner used Jarvis as the core software of the android Vision, and after gaining a physical body, Jarvis considers himself to not be Jarvis anymore, not to not just a rather um, very intelligent system anymore, but rather to just simply be. With Jarvis being used as the core software of Vision, he is replaced by Tony Stark by Friday. Now, I tried to look at what Friday stood for. I can't find what Friday stands for. Um, in Marvel Television's Agent Carter, James Darcy plays Edwin Jarvis, who is Howard Stark's butler and an ally to Agent Carter, who will eventually be a tutor to Tony Stark and inspire his Jarvis artificial intelligence. Uh, Darcy later reprised his role in the 2019 film Avengers Endgame, Mm -hmm. marking the first time a character who debuted on Marvel TV appearing in an MCU film. So, Let the record reflect that I observed Mr. Whitley is entering the studio. I've been here the entire time. And I am wondering if and when any actual expert will also be in attendance. You've been here the entire time. So (laughs) let's slip on the Infinity Gauntlet. Let's look at six, one for each Infinity Stone, of our favorite observations and insights from Iron Man 2. You go first. First. Uh, We really haven't said much about Mickey Rourke. We've talked about Vanko and Vanko and Vanko and... Vilanco. But uh, I found a fun fact that I thought was just funny, but it's, it's true too. It says he wasn't very tech literate, so Mickey Rourke found the most challenging part was playing Whiplash, about playing Whiplash, was pretending to know his way around a computer. Which I'll be honest, he fooled me. Like every time he sat down, especially when he first gets to Hammer's like main building, he hacks into everything with just in like 30 seconds. So it convinced me and never, you know, made me think anything else about it. And uh, I'll be honest, Mickey Rourke, the only other. You know, familiarization or other movies come to mind that I've ever seen him was The Wrestler. Yes. I know there's tons more, but I remember seeing this, you know, not too far around or far from that where he looked honestly pretty similar. So I don't know. What you got? What's your All number right. two? Number two, Terrence Howard, as we were talking about in Iron Man 1, mm-hmm. uh, was replaced with Don Cheadle in part, in the part of James Rhodes for no perceived reason, uh, with the actor Howard claiming that his original three picture deal and matching salary wasn't honored by Marvel. Entertainment Weekly later claimed that director John Favreau had not been happy with Terrence Howard's performance in Iron Man, often reshooting or cutting his scenes. When it was time for the sequel, 
Favreau and co-writer Justin Thoreau purposely reduced Howard's screen time, which led Marvel to ask Howard, who'd been the best paid actor in Iron Man 1, to accept an 80% pay cut, although Marvel supposedly maintained it was because they didn't consider Howard vital for the film's commercial success. Howard refused, claiming that the real reason for the pay cut was to meet Robert Downey Jr.'s reported 2,000% salary increase. Don Cheadle was then sought as a replacement, and James Rhodes' role beefed up again. Although Howard initially blamed Robert Downey Jr. for taking the money that was supposed to go to him and pushing him out, especially since he had recommended Downey for the role of Tony Stark, both actors would later make amends. Well, good. Yes. They should. Uh, number three. Yes. Uh, back to, uh, let's see, back to Mickey Rourke. Uh, when they were filming that fight scene uh, where we were talking about with Monaco, the raceway, mm-hmm. it said that Mickey Rourke couldn't quite get the hang of the whips. So they played Gnarls Barkley's crazy, super loud while this was filming so that he could get rhythm. And I think you're crazy. Part of me wants to go back, and I'm sure somebody at this point has done it on YouTube. <laughs> I hadn't looked, but like to dub that in where oh, he's please. on the racetrack and just like whipping to the rhythm of crazy. I remember when. I remember, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We, I didn't know we were going to break out in song this episode. This, uh, this is awesome. Very cool. Um, my number four. four. All right. Yeah. So, uh, y'all remember uh, uh, the little boy mm-hmm. at the Stark Expo wearing the Iron Man helmet when the Expo is attacked by Hammertech drones? Mm-hmm. Well, later revealed or retconned to reveal uh, and confirmed by actor Tom Holland, who plays Peter Parker, a.k.a. Spider-Man, that... That was Peter Parker appearing in the movie as a little boy who was a big Iron Man fan, giving them another connection. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know if the timeline actually works out, but let's just go with it. It was something I had to look up because I, I didn't want to take the internet for granted and say, okay, well, this is what this link says is true. But there's multiple sources that say, yeah, I mean, Tom Holland did come out later. Um, he had said that he had just had you know a long discussion with the director right there before it as well. And they at least decided together that that was Peter Parker. And honestly, I'm cool with that because it's really cool to see that because I thought about that watching it again this week. And when he does, it looks, you know, the drone that is set its sights to kill Iron Man sees that mask, gets ready to kill him, and it shows the little boy stick his hand out like he's about to blast the thing. Then all of a sudden, there's a quick look up. There's Iron Man lands right behind him and actually blasts him. And Iron Man looks down at the kid and says, good shot, kid, and then takes back off. So Very nice. It is cool to see how that, especially the relationship that you know Tony Stark and Peter Parker play later in you know, these movies when finally you know, we do get Spider-Man, uh, the relationship they have. I think that's really cool to see. Uh, and the last one I have is when brainstorming the location. Number five. Number five, sorry, my bad. Uh, when brainstorming the location for the scene with Nick Fury, uh, when he meets the hungover Tony Stark, Eating donuts, John Favreau wanted something that was distinctly Los Angeles, as Stark is the first on-screen Marvel superhero to be or be from the West Coast. Um, Favreau was figuring out where a character like Stark would visit after being hungover from partying all night and figured Randy's Donuts, the 24-hour L.A. donut shop with the giant landmark donut on top, was perfect. Favreau was also relieved that Stark wasn't going to be on a giant sign uh, belonging to like a national chain restaurant. Uh, when meeting with the shop owner who liked the idea, the owner initially suggested that Stark should probably fly through the donut. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. There's something too if you are like if you're into cars. You know, Ken Block does all these Jim Connor releases. You know, at least once a year he has been in the past. Anyway, you know, I think he's retired. But uh, there's one of those that he does it in L.A. and he literally he's driving his you know souped up all wheel drive Mustang 
goes flying into that parking lot that this was filmed in, and he's you know goes flying around and it does a big shot of that donut. I didn't know where that was until I saw it later, but I don't know. For me to be in the cars and to see that too, and to see how you know it is a real world place. It is not some set that was just made for a movie, um, but some that actually exists. I don't know. It's just cool for me. Cool. What you got for number six? Well, number six, I have a bunch of cameos that oh, appeared cool. in the movie. Um, DJ AM at around fifty-three minutes into the movie, the DJ at Tony's birthday party is DJ AM, who died after principal photography had wrapped, making this his last film project. And during the end credits, the film is dedicated to him. Um, Larry Ellison, um, he is the CEO uh, of the Oracle Corporation in this movie, or uh, not in the movie, in uh, in general, uh, who's a billionaire playboy who's often been compared to Tony Stark, is glimpsed briefly at the Stark Expo. While leading Tony out of the Stark Expo, Happy Hogan says, this is Larry. Uh, Stark replies, hey, the Oracle of Oracle. Oracle's brand is prominently placed at several points in the film, including the climactic showdown at the fictional Oracle Biodome. Seth Green, uh, who we know from the Austin Powers movies, um, while Tony's leaving the expo and meets Larry King uh, and Larry Ellison. Uh, Elon Musk uh, is introduced to Stark at the restaurant in Monaco. And then Stan Lee, he's the man wearing suspenders who Stark identifies as Larry King. Mm-hmm. So, Great. Those are our fun facts and uh, our, uh, you know, our six whatever. Infinity Gauntlet, yes. Stone Activate. Runs, <laughs> Things. It's a glove full of facts, folks. That's what it is. That's a glove it. full, full of, of facts. facts. So. Uh, Kyle. Yeah. I told you. Okay. I don't want to join your super secret boy band. Well, that's too bad. Because it's time for our social media shout out. Nice. Uh, today, I've got them all here. So I don't Did have to you go get the email for I forwarded to you yesterday? No. From Jenny? Oh, I didn't. Bring that up. Ugh. You want to pull that up? I'll pull it up. Sorry. My bad. It's been a busy day at Airflow Products Company, folks. Uh, while he's pulling that up, I'm going to pull up the rest of them. Chris Rode, our good friend, says, Once again, I have very faint memories of this movie, but the parts I do remember thinking, awesome, uh, was the race scene where Ivan got those whips, and I was like the Kool-Aid man and said, oh, yeah. Also, the scene where War Machine and Iron Man were fighting back-to-back was epic. We didn't even talk about that scene. No, but what how, a great scene. Wow. Uh, that's honestly one of the top things of the movie where finally War Machine has his own control back over his own suit, and they're out in the woods with all these drones coming down trying to attack them, and here they are just fighting them all off. It was really... You see an even better scene in years to come when you have Iron Man and Captain America fighting you know, even against each other, but... Uh, for the first time, you're really seeing Tony teamed up with someone fighting. It was really cool to see yes, that. Really cool. Uh, William Wright 180 from Instagram says the fact that his superpowers are killing him just makes it really compelling. Uh, and Whiplash is a great villain. Now you know William is a middle schooler, mm-hmm. so it's really cool for me to see that. Like us as adults, as you know, 33 year olds, you know, you already addressed how this one ranks real low on your record. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I see different sides of it. Uh, but it's cool to see different age groups because it's meant to be seen in all age groups. You know, 10 years ago, we were 23 seeing this movie. Uh, so and at the time, it was a big deal. Or at least you were 24 when you came back and saw it a year later or so. But uh, but for William, who's in middle school now and seeing this, I think it's awesome because he's seeing it with a different set of eyes than we do. Right. Uh, and he still enjoys it and sees it in a different way. Uh, Hunter Batten says, where do I begin? Mickey Rourke ruined the word bird for me. Uh, forever. I do like most of this movie. Sam Rockwell is Sam always a win. Sam Rockwell is always a win. So, bird, 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 bird. There's probably as many ways to say bird as there is Vanko. So, maybe that goes hand in hand. 
And then uh, Kevin Savigny says, I enjoy everything Marvel. It's great hearing y'all share your thoughts. I enjoy going back and watching the movies after the podcast. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate Thanks, that. Thanks, Kevin. Um, and then Jenny Barnum. Yes. Not on social media, but she sent us an email. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. I did like Iron Man 2 more than the original. Her best quote, I told you I don't want to join your super secret boy band. That's a good one. That is a very good one. All right, friends. Thank you. A big thank you to Ricky Lyles and Tim Hutchinson, our wonderful and irreplaceable producer and researcher. We hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as we did and that you're as pumped for the rest of this journey into the MCU films. Next month, we will be covering Thor because we have to. And next week, Kyle, what are we doing next week? Uh, we've got something super excited. We're going to actually do a, a post on our social media. It'll probably be up before the podcast is even up. But uh, this coming Thursday, the 5th. So yes, March 5th. March 5th. That's a big day for us. It is. We're reading to a classic, Glendale Kinley. Together. We are. Um, you know, that's I had a coworker offer to give me a book today. She asked, I told her about it, and she said, what book are you reading? Horton, here's a who. And she said, well, I think I read something you know, similar whenever I was younger. She's like, but Peyton, her son, who's like three now, so it has this great book you ought to take. And I was like, okay, what is it? it said, F is for fart. And I said, no, I don't know that no, that'll go over well. We're not going to do I that. said, I would have to ask permission, <laughs> but I appreciate the offer. Uh, and I still may read the book anyway, just so I know whatever, some more things about it. But uh, coming up on that that night, uh, I think our aim is to go live at 6.30. Around 6.30 or so. We're going to try to do it on our YouTube channel once again. Right now we're still saving up or you know, gaining uh, followers to reach that where we can just search us by the name at the hashtag or not hashtag but the link uh, but if you type in what the what media all one word you will be able to find our YouTube page uh, the goal is to go up live on there around 630 roughly and get started if you're from the south I know it's an all over thing but us growing up in school March Madness was a huge thing yes uh, I remember being a- in ACC school ACC tournament first yes. and then the NCAA tournament I remember being in school and doing your own bracket challenge you know the that each student in the, in the grade would get the bracket. You would write out which teams you thought were going to win. Even if you didn't like sports or like basketball at all, it was fun to do just to the, throw something in there. The Friday of the ACC tournament, mm-hmm. you rolled the TVs into the classroom and you had it on. Yes. And the, like, the teachers would make it educational, you know, talk about, you know, how many rebounds or shot percentages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Truth is, they just wanted to watch whatever the Whatever excuse and, you can and, make and, to And watch. I get it because I'm here. I'm there now. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, brackets are a big deal here. I mean, all over America. I mean, our former president Barack Obama filled out a bracket every year. That's true, and it was on ESPN. It was really cool. We picked Carolina his first year, which is awesome because <laughs> they won that year. Uh, um, but with that though, we had talked some last year, and even and Hunter Batten, I want to say, I think suggested it in the beginning. Hunter Batten suggested it in the beginning, and he actually went through and did the legwork for us. So what we have here is going to be the Disney Pixar. Bracket challenge. Yes, we're doing an overall Disney slash Pixar bracket of which movie we believe is best, all the way to the final. Uh, Eric and I figured the easiest way to do this is instead of each of us filling out a bracket, we are going to discuss live on YouTube each each part of the bracket and argue it out. And we're going to have to come to a consensus. Yes, if we can't, that's where you come in. You get to break any tie we have. So we're going to need you logging online. Uh, if you know our 